time for the Susan Taylor Podcast, where we discuss the yoga of mind, medicine, and healing. Author of Feeling Good Matters, Sexual Radiance, and the Vital Energy Program, Dr. Taylor imparts authentic knowledge and practical tools that inspire, educate, and empower us to be a healing force for positive change. So join us and take your life and our planet to the next level. And welcome to podcast 139, Can the Way You Breathe Turn Off Anxious Thoughts? It's hard to believe that 9 out of 10 adults breathe incorrectly, impairing their health and creating anxiety and depression. But the fortunate side of this is that we can relearn how to breathe and do it correctly. In today's episode, I'd like to discuss how breathing affects anxiety and why also the proper breathing technique to reduce anxiety and anxiety-proofing your headspace. So let's first turn to why does breathing affect our mood and how really does it? The way that we breathe, whether fast, slow, irregular, with stops and pauses, or stream and like streamline, has a real direct impact on our nervous system. When our thoughts that threaten our security happen, in the case of anxiety, right? Our breathing rate and our pattern change drastically right at that moment because of the fear, that fear drive kicking in. Instead of breathing slowly from our lower lungs, we begin to breathe rapidly and shallowly from the upper lungs. And that's in case we have to run and flee from the situation. If during this time we're not physically exerting ourselves, right? We're not running from the tiger or the lion or this threat that's coming after us, then it can produce a phenomenal called hyperventilation. And this in turn can explain why many people suffer from uncomfortable symptoms when we feel anxiety, like dizziness, shortness of breath, maybe a lump in the throat, tingling or numbness in the hands or feet, nausea, confusion, and the list can go on. But again, the good news is that by being aware of this, we can enlist our breathing pattern to reverse these symptoms. By shifting your attention to your breathing, you could change the way you feel and think, even in the most stressful situation. And the reason why is because the way that we breathe directly affects our nervous system. It either stimulates it for fight and flight or elicits our relaxation response and calms us down. And this is the body's equally powerful and opposite system. So the emergency response and then the opposite is relaxation response. And for the purposes here, I'm going to call it breathing to remain calm because we always talk about remaining calm. When we're calm, we create a parasympathetic response, which means our system goes into a calmer and more relaxed state. And when this happens, our oxygen consumption decreases, our breathing slows, or even our heart rate slows because of that, and blood pressure decreases, muscle tension decreases as well as we get that feeling, that ease in our body and that calmness in our mind. And for this reason, it's important that we know what specific skills will reverse that emergency response that sometimes we get caught into and will help you calm your body and clear your mind. Keep in mind, that most therapists, I'm not going to really put a label on either one when we go to them for anxiety or depression, very few typically focus on breathing. It's very rare to find that. I've had many clients who have had anxiety and depression who did come to me through referral 
when the meds just weren't working. And I'm not saying don't take meds. I'm just saying when they weren't working. And they were looking for nutrition advice, actually, which I always give. But I always work with the breath because many breathe incorrectly. And no matter what nutrient I could suggest, it's not going to work at the root level. Note, I'm talking about breath here for anxiety. But keep in mind, there are emotional causes, many times integrated with this. So keep in mind, I'm using breath as a tool to regulate the body and mind so that the deeper issues can be addressed. Breathing is the cornerstone of good health, and that changing the way that we breathe can have enormous impact, improving our sleep, cognition, eating habits, even resilience to stress, and even more. It could even lower our inflammation level, improving gastrointestinal GI function. That's easier to digest food, increase our longevity, and reduce pain. You know, when you're in pain, you tense up, which in turn affects breathing, and it makes it shallower. This actually makes sense. The pain feels worse, and it can lead us to that vicious circle, uh, you know, where there's pain, and the pain becomes constant, constant because we're tensing up. So there's some points to consider that I'd like to share with you. People who are anxious tend to breathe in the upper lungs of their chest, so the upper part of their chest and they're the upper lungs, with shallow, rapid breaths instead of breathing into the lower lungs or the lower chest. And this is one contribution to hyperventilation, shallow upper lung breathing. So to breathe correctly, we need to engage the lower lungs with a full, smooth breath with balance. And we do that. That's our natural breathing. And that's abdominal slash diaphragmatic breathing. And in fact, this is a good way to breathe all day long unless you're involved in physical activity or running a marathon. In other words, you should practice breathing this way all day long since it provides us with sufficient oxygen intake and controls the exhalation of carbon dioxide. You know, children before the age of five breathe this way. And just watch a baby breathe. The belly moves. On an inhale, it expands, and on an exhale, it deflates. Give it a try. Even put your right hand on your chest if you're not driving and your left hand on your belly and take a breath. In fact, take two or three breaths and see which one moves which hand. Ideally, you want just your left hand to move. Very little on the right hand, if any at all. You know, there are many who impose variations on this, but the key is to engage the diaphragm. It may take a month to learn and make it your default breath. And that's what we teach in all our classes. The second point I'd like to bring up is be aware of breath holding. There are many experts out there teaching breath holding, although they are useful yogic practices for this, if we're consciously aware. But in the case of anxiety, I wouldn't suggest this unless you are really proficient in your exhale for twice as long as your inhale for count of 16. Then, you know, hold off on breath holding if you're not up there yet, because it does, it can actually damage the nervous system. You want to train your nervous system first to accommodate that kind of change. Otherwise, you'll do more damage than not. You might not even see it at a gross level, but it will hurt the nervous system on a very, very subtle level. And over time, you'll see the ill effect of that. Learn steady and smooth breathing without jerks or pauses by practicing diaphragmatic breathing daily. You will not be disappointed on the results of this. And after a month, you will see those benefits that you'll just see them in your own health, your vitality, and even feeling really energetic and focused and calm. 
The third point I'd like to talk about is remember to engage your diaphragm, as I just mentioned, when breathing. You might know that muscles will atrophy. We all know that you know our muscles will atrophy from lack of use. That means they're going to break down. If you've been breathing improperly for several decades, it may take some time to retrain your breathing muscles before you can breathe optimally. Even athletes can have weak breathing muscles because in order to be strong, they have to be worked out separately. It doesn't happen automatically simply because you're breathing heavily. It has nothing to do with lung capacity. In this capacity, I'm talking about the muscle here. Your breathing muscles include your intercostals, and they're your muscles that run between your ribs, and they allow the chest wall to move, your diaphragm, which I just spoke about before, but it's a thin sheet of muscle that extends across the thoracic cavity below the heart and lungs and above your digestive system. So it kind of splits you in half. Then you have your obliques, which are used in active breathing, and they're the largest outermost muscles of the six-pack look that we're talking about on the anterior abdomen. And then we have, of course, the pelvic floor. So let's turn to how do we strengthen our breathing muscles? Well, there are two poses that we use to teach people how to restore healthy breathing. And the first is the crocodile pose where you're face down. And then there's the corpse pose where you're face up. And once you learn these, you can use light weights while you're lying down face up, of course, uh, on your diaphragm. And, you know, when I was a personal trainer in my younger days, I used to teach what I call a pullover, where you stretch your arms overhead while lying down and inhaling and exhaling. You have to know when to do that, and it'll also actually strengthen the diaphragm muscle. But it should be taught by a qualified teacher. But you could start with the crocodile and the corpse pose. And working those muscles and really engaging them when breathing will have a dramatic effect on your ability to breathe well. Your inhale is governed by your diaphragm, while the exhale is primarily governed by your intercostals and obliques. You know, oftentimes when we feel short of breath, it's due to the insufficient exhalation because we leave excess residual air in our lungs. And with lack of activity and poor sitting habits, our intercostals and obliques get very weak and that weakening will, you'll lose your ability to exhale fully. You know, when I teach, I teach the basics so that you understand the mechanics and I make the exhale active. So I put a little squeeze in there. And when you think about exhaling, most people think inhale, exhale, let go. And that really messes us up. The idea is to exhale, let go, making you relax and flop down when you actually want to really, you know, be narrowing your body on an exhale. So you really just want to be emptying. You know, you still want to have a little bit of awareness in the lower abdominal muscles and the pelvic floor and not to just let everything go. If you could think about your belly button getting closer to your spine and even your ribs coming, you know, a little closer together on an exhale, that's a really good exhale, which obviously makes your next inhale much better. You'll be able to take more in. You know, while about 50% of people can change their breathing for the better, simply by reading a book or taking a single session breathing class really can change your life, but most people really need to commit to do exercises several times a day in the beginning and have, you know, somebody work with you either through a class or a coach or whatever you need. Or you could just set a timer and remind yourself. Keep in mind that there is an importance of stretching because stretching helps improve your range of motion and flexibility. And proper breathing is an important aspect of effective stretching as well. 
Conversely, stretching can improve your breathing in and of itself. So keep in mind that your intercostals are two layers of muscles on the inside of your ribs. And the best way you could stretch them is by inhaling and then stretching them so you're inhaling fully. And that opens the space up between the ribs. You know, we weaken our mind with stress and tension and it causes our inhale to be shallow and irregular. We don't fully extend. And when, you know, also keep in mind when we add air into the rib cage on the inside and then we stretch that, we get a better expansion for air exchange. You know, free divers use what's called lung packing to add a little more. When I was doing research for this uh, episode, I looked up some things and uh, lung packing was one of them. But there are so many risks with that that I'm not even going to talk about it. But they try to stretch their receptors and expand their lung capacity because they want to go under the water for longer periods of time. You know, maybe if you become a free diver, you can do the research and do more on that. But if we focus on our posture with the idea of lifting our rib cage and holding ourselves up and not slumping, we will have added more space just with that. In our yoga asana classes, spinal twists are very useful in helping opening up pathways and getting, you know, those muscles uh, flexible enough to uh, expand. And if you don't have any injuries and you're okay with doing spinal twists, you can do them on the exhale and you'll get to go deeper into the twist and engage deeper muscles of the pelvic floor as well as the lower abdomen. You know, uh, whatever chair you're on or even if you're doing it on the floor or taking a back seat, anywhere you are, just pull yourself around on the exhale and dive deeper into the twist. Again, you have to have engagement of the pelvic floor as well as the lower abdominal muscles if you want the full benefit. And as you apply these skills, keep two things in mind. Our breathing is dictated by our current thoughts. So make sure you also work on changing your negative thoughts as well as breathing during a panic. And second, the skills work to a degree if you're willing to focus on them. Remember, attention is everything. Everything in life that you want, you have to put your focus on and it all requires attention. Put most of your effort into not thinking about anything else, you know, your worry, some thoughts or your fears and do some breathing and focus your attention on where you're going, not where you've been and not where you are. And be in the moment, of course, but think that positive way. If you're gonna do the spinal twist, I wanna go back and just say, you should be, uh, make sure that you can, because some people have spine issues and lower back and you can pull your back out. So check with your healthcare provider and work with a yoga therapist on that if you think you wanna try to learn that. You know, if you'd like to join me on Thursday nights for live classes online where we focus on breathing and meditation to create more peace and joy and the feeling of being totally protected because that's the key here. Uh, stay tuned. I'll probably be starting that in another week or so. I'm thinking about doing a course, Balance Your Breath, Manage Your Mind, because I'm getting a lot of calls with people with panic and anxiety. If any of you out there are interested in balancing your breath, managing your mind, and would like a class on that. Uh, I'll, we call, used to call it pranayama, but I'm going to really modify it now. Please stay tuned, but also let me know. You know, send me a little, uh, a little text, or you could send me an email. I would love to get you on the list for that. And as always, do your research with anything that I might suggest or anything you might even read. Do the research because you're the laboratory. Your own body and mind complex will allow you to really chart the course of action that you should take. Any questions or comments, please let me know. 
And that brings us to the end of this episode. And contact us at susantaylor.org if you have any questions, comments, or feedback. Or even leave a feedback, or your feedback on this on our podcast on uh, YouTube. We love to see feedback there too. That would be really helpful for the community. And I'd like to say thank you again for listening. The Susan Taylor podcast does come out every week and contact me anytime. I always love to hear from the community. And until next time, remain calm, consciously aware, living in the moment.